Modern. 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 We're prepping for a voyage. Modern. The force of an old-fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration. Why don't you make that a double? Modern Bar Cart. What's shaking, cocktail fans? Welcome to episode 197 of the Modern Bar Cart podcast. I'm your host, Modern Bar Cart CEO, Eric Koslick. Thanks for joining me for this interview episode where we track down the best and brightest minds in the spirits and cocktail world so that we can share their secrets with you. This time, we're not playing around. Actually, that's kind of exactly what we'll be doing because I had the opportunity to chat with Dave Beck, founder of Paverson Games and creator of Distilled, the first board game of its type to really delve into the intricacies and complexities of the spirits making and selling process. Admittedly, I'm kind of lukewarm about board games. Usually somebody ends up frustrated, and usually that somebody is me, so I tend to restrict myself to a few tried and true favorites most of the time. As soon as I heard about Distilled, I wanted to see if it would be the sort of thing I could enjoy, and wow, was I impressed. We'll dig into just why this game is so special in a few moments, but before we start drawing cards and plotting our path toward global spirits domination, let's take a moment so that you can make yourself a drink. This episode's featured cocktail is the Gibson. If you're a martini fan, you're probably familiar, and we've mentioned it in the past, but we've never featured this cocktail in its full glory, so here goes. To make a Gibson, you'll need two ounces of gin and one ounce of dry vermouth. Combine these ingredients in a mixing glass with ice, give them a good brisk stir for about 15 seconds, then strain into a stemmed cocktail glass and garnish with a cocktail onion. Now, quite clearly, the Gibson cocktail is all about this freaking onion. You'll notice that the recipe doesn't include bitters like many martini variations, and that's because the onion brings some of that to the table, along with some sour and savory notes, which begs the question, what is a cocktail onion? Basically, it's a pickled preserved pearl onion, which has a bigger bulb than those little green scallions we enjoy in salads and in a lot of Asian dishes, but not such a large bulb that it wanders into shallot or cooking onion territory. In other words, it's the perfect size to use as a garnish. There's plenty of recipes out there for making your own cocktail onions, and I recommend you do your own research on this if you're interested, because this is your chance to completely own the flavor profile of your Gibson. You get to choose the gin you use, as well as the vermouth, and if you decide to pickle your own cocktail onions, you also get to decide what spices, vinegars, and sweeteners you'll include in your house recipe. In this sense, building your own cocktail onion recipe is sort of like a board game, where you get to choose your own adventure. These little onions should be popping up at farmer's markets and grocery stores all over the place during the next several months, and if you're a martini nerd who's looking for a fun weekend cooking project, this might be right up your alley. So, now that you've got an ice-cold classic cocktail in hand, let's turn our attention back to the interview. In this well-shuffled, cleanly dealt interview with Dave Beck of Paverson Games, some of the topics we discuss include... 
How a trip to Scotland sparked the idea for a game that would challenge players to distill, age, and sell their own spirits. All thanks to an inheritance from a long-lost relative. Why Distilled is considered a medium-weight Euro-style game, and what it looks like to make booze using cards, tokens, and distiller avatars. How the Kickstarter campaign for this product met its funding goal in less than an hour, on its way to eclipsing that goal by, wait for it, over 15,000%. Which technical distilling processes were creatively mixed into the game mechanics of Distilled, and which needed to be saved perhaps for a future edition, including heads and tails cuts, the angel's share, and pulling flavor notes from wood. How the game educates and introduces players to spirits from different cultures using avatars based on historical distillers from around the world, all with special recipes and abilities. Along the way, we talk about why American-style games are so confrontational, the simple joy of summoning elevators, how to order a proper brandy old-fashioned at a Wisconsin supper club, and much, much more. Special thanks to listener and fellow podcaster Adam Safir for posting about this game on social media and putting it on my radar. You can enjoy his thoughts on Scotch Whiskey by checking out our two-part Tour of Isla episodes here on the Modern Bar Cart Podcast or by subscribing to his show, Whiskey Snobs of Lower Moco. Be sure also to head over to the show notes page to check out playthrough videos of Distilled and learn how to reserve your copy if you are or happen to be shopping for a board game or spirits enthusiast. And with that, please enjoy this really interesting conversation with game design professor and founder of Paverson Games, Dave Beck. Dave, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Eric. So happy to be here. Let's kick this off by just having you introduce yourself to our audience. Who are you? What do you do? And uh, what might we be here talking about today? Yeah. So like, like you said, my name is Dave, Dave Beck. Um, I live up in Wisconsin and uh, kind of outside Minneapolis, St. Paul. So just over the border from Minnesota. And I am a college professor. I teach game design, pretty sweet deal there. Uh, but then I also, of course, then on the side design games, so you might be thinking like, what the heck am I doing <laughs> talking to you right now? But I happen to be uh, really excited about this project that I've been working on for a, a quite a while now. It's a game about distilling alcohol. So it has to do with lots of different types of spirits from all around the world. And it's a board game. So it's not a video game. Or anything like that. It's something where you can enjoy a drink while you play it as well. Mm. I got turned on to this. I want to shout out some listeners here. Uh, Adam Safir. Uh, whiskey snobs of lower moco saw him post something on instagram recently and i was like oh no kidding somebody's making a board game about distilling and at <laughs> first i was a little bit skeptical and then of course i dug in i did my research i saw uh your kickstarter page that is like some ungodly amount overfunded we'll talk <laughs> we'll get we'll get to that in a second uh and and then also i was able to check out your playthrough videos that that you posted and became less and less skeptical and more and more intrigued the more I learned about the game. So of course I wanted to have you on the podcast and <laughs> this is the first this is the first time I've I've seen anything like this. Uh, I think as we talk about it it'll make more and more sense to our listeners and 
especially toward the end of the interview here, I, I want to talk to you about your distiller archetypes because that is certainly something that I have thought about before in depth. But I, but it, it, it seems like it takes a college professor like yourself to be able to like, you know, get in front of the whiteboard and really just kind of get all this stuff straight so that it can be orchestrated into a meaningful and uh, sort of cyclical gameplay format. So uh, excited to hear about that, but give us a little bit of an overview of your company, Paverson, and maybe some games that you've done before, or, or maybe more generally the types of games that you like to create, and then we can go from there into this distilled board game. Yeah, totally. So it's funny you say that, Eric, about, um, well, when I first saw it, I was a little skeptical because a lot of people are. And it's not just people that are are know their drinks or know their spirits. It's also board gamers, too. And I think it's probably, you know, hardcore board gamers that have collections and play lots of games. And I think it's probably because it is this weird middle ground between the two where it's a little bit out of that that comfort zone of what people interested in spirits and, and cocktails are. It's a little bit out of that comfort zone as far as a theme for people that are interested in games. And But what I'm finding is if, if you happen to have an interest in both of those, uh, then you're all in. And even if, if not, just like you, you'll kind of get to this progress point where you realize, oh, this is kind of legit. So essentially um, why I did – so real quick, my background. Uh, for Paverson Games, myself, uh, I am Paverson Games. Uh, so it's, there's not there's not a, a a gaggle of 15 people in my studio. It's it's literally just me. Uh, and my background really actually is video game design. So I've done lots of different uh, personal projects that are just smaller game indie uh, video games. Lots of times having to do with history, uh, doing with narrative. Uh, I have a background in art, so a lot of focus on kind of visuals and how that looks too. Yeah, but this was a first for, for me in terms of um, a project of this size as far as a board game. And so uh, I can talk about how I discovered and came, fell into this in a bit. But uh, essentially what, you, what I wanted to do was I wanted to, like you said, as a college professor, I wanted to educate people. I wanted people to understand the process behind distillation in a way that would be fun and open. And um, for those that might not be comfortable with games, but they know spirits, then they'll be able to grab onto that. Those that might not know anything about spirits, maybe don't even drink, which is the case. I found a lot of people that just like the game regardless. Um, they're learning about that as well. So it's been a really fun journey up to this point, discovering who the audience is, but also, as you've mentioned, uh, being absolutely, uh, I just, I, I don't know, speechless is probably the best word like I am right now on how well the game is doing online on the Kickstarter right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Spit some numbers at us. As of right now, we've got nine days left in the campaign. So we launched on the 6th of July and it was, it, as far as Kickstarter, for those that don't know, Kickstarter essentially means that I'm trying to raise enough funds to be able to make this dream in this case of mine a reality. I need to raise enough money to be able to print a number of games, copies of games that would make it worthwhile. So I set that goal at just under $20,000 to raise to print about 1,000 copies of this game. Uh, and I, I launched that on July 6th. Um, 
I reached that goal in 23 minutes. And even though I was supposed to have over three weeks on, on the thing, and it's currently sitting right around $340,000 that I have raised for this board game about distilling spirits. So I go figure it's, it's three times, maybe four times more than I could ever even conceive of, of this making and raising. Um, so it's, it's pretty ridiculous. But again, I want to get back to that point that I feel like the reason for that might be that it's this kind of Venn diagram where you've got your board gamers, you've got your spirits uh, enthusiasts, and that overlapping part, it doesn't exist. A game like this does not exist right now as far as making spirits. There's games about wine. There's games about beer. Um, uh, there's, of course, like trivia and drinking games about spirits too, of course, but there's nothing in this realm. Uh, and so I think that's maybe also why maybe it hit a key with certain people. Yeah, you're, you're something like, I mean, I'm not, no mathologist or anything, but you're so you're, you're looking at like almost like 2000% overfunded right now. Uh, and this podcast episode will drop before your Kickstarter campaign is over. So nice. for anybody who's listening to this, you can go ahead, check that out, get in on it. Um, I am struggling to figure out the best way to begin explaining this game to folks because even in the playthroughs that you posted you sort mm -hmm. of went out of order of the actual mm -hmm. gameplay cycle to explain it so i guess maybe what i'll let you do is take the lead here uh yeah. explain the overall kind of big picture of the game and then maybe we can get into some more of the gameplay nuances here as we go and and i definitely want because this is a spirits and cocktail podcast mm -hmm. you don't need to talk down to our audience everybody here understands what what spirits are if not how yep. they're made in depth and and so yep. uh don't don't feel the need to sugarcoat anything oh, totally. give us all the nitty-gritty details please. i will yeah, yeah, happy to. So, yeah, so this is this game is something that oftentimes people might refer to as kind of a medium weight, which doesn't mean how heavy it is in terms of carrying it, but instead how much of a challenge it is. So, a light game is easy, uh, easy to grasp and understand. Something like we know, like Scrabble or or Monopoly, not many rules, like enough rules to understand and pick it up. While a heavy game in the board game world is something that has just a lot more complexity to it. And so, this is kind of somewhere in the middle. But yeah, to get to your question, essentially the premise is you have inherited a distillery from some long lost relative, some, from some distiller, some famous distiller, uh, fictional but famous distiller, uh, perhaps in history. Um, and it really is your job uh, over the course of seven rounds in this game to bring it back, this distillery back to its former glory. In front of you as a player, you have what looks like kind of a dollhouse view into a distillery. So it's an empty distillery. There's nothing. The warehouse doesn't have stuff, much stuff in it. There's a there's a warehouse below, I should say, some pantry and storeroom for storing items and ingredients. Up above, you've got your your main distilling floor where you're going to have your stills or your washbacks or, or your tubs, uh, and all that stuff is kind of empty too. And the whole challenge here is you need to kind of fill this distillery with stuff uh, and start making spirits. It's not just whiskey. It's not just the spirits that we're most familiar with, perhaps, as far as the, the go-tos, but also my intention here was to try and introduce spirits from all around the world that many of us probably on this podcast are familiar with. But as you can imagine, people that, especially board gamers, beyond whiskey, gin, and vodka, they're in tequila, of course, and rum, they're like 
what is Baijo or what is Kachasa? They have no idea what these are. And so I saw this as a great opportunity to introduce kind of new spirits to them that they had never heard of. Um, so in this game, you're making different uh, spirits by going to a market, purchasing recipes for different spirits to learn how to make them, ingredients, items like different types of barrels. Like maybe you want like a, a American Standard Oak or maybe you want an Egg's Hogshead. Um, uh, so you have different barrels that do different things. You're going to put them in different bottles that are going to get you extra points based on kind of the, are you going to buy a plastic bottle or are you going to buy a kind of a nice uh, wax seal bottle, for instance? Um, and then there's upgrades. You can hire people to work in your distillery as well, or you can buy equipment. Like maybe you start out with just kind of a simple uh, thumper or maybe like a, a little pot still, but maybe you want to upgrade to a column still. So there's things like that that I've really tried to stick to theme and real world uh, examples in the game as much as possible. When you get those things, they don't just say like, yeah, you have that sticker, you know, bonus star. It's more of it'll do a special action that's kind of connected to that, that process, that equipment, that specialist as well. So basically you're trying to distill different spirits throughout the game. And then you either send it to the warehouse to age where you're not going to get money, right? It's all our money's tied up in the warehouse as it ages, or you're going to sell it immediately because maybe it's an unaged spirit. Uh, and it's not going to be worth as much points in terms of like points for the game to win. Uh, but you're going to get a lot of money really quick to reinvest into future stock or future spirits. So that's essentially the game. You're, you're trying to do that over the course of seven rounds to still seven different spirits could be a lots of different types, or maybe you specify in a certain area or region. Uh, and then whoever has the most points based on what they've distilled and sold is going to be the winner. Yeah. That's a that that's a mouthful for sure, and, that is, and I sorry. do no no no. I I definitely <laughs> recommend that folks actually visit. You know, we'll link, of course, to the Kickstarter. We'll link to the the gameplay videos. We'll we'll actually just try and embed those right on the the show notes page so that folks can click on them. And uh, it makes a lot more sense once you see a bit of a playthrough. But mm. I, I'll give you a little bit of background on me in terms of games, gameplay, whether you're talking about board games or or digital games. I am not what you would call a board game fanatic. And it's so funny that we're talking about this medium weight game because actually those tend to be the board games that I dislike most. I either like to play a simple game. Uh, the games that I've played growing up would be uh, Cribbage, which is you just need like a piece of paper and a deck of cards at the simplest to play a game of Cribbage. Or... Uh, my family actually has a couple of custom gameplay boards uh, of a game called Tuck, T-U-C-K, which oh. is actually the precursor of Sorry. So if you can imagine oh, the really? board game Sorry, it's basically, you know, you start and then you can, you know, you, you basically just play cards and you work your way around this board game and people can kind of knock you out and then you're back to start. And so you're trying to uh -huh. get yourself up to your around the board and up your little chute. But it's literally just made using marble uh, marbles and little little holes and uh, nice. and and deck of cards. So those are the games that I played growing up as well as, um, you know, some dominoes. So those I would uh -huh. consider lightweight games. And then on the other side of that, I'm also a big fan of of the Civilization series. So Sid Meier's, oh, nice. you know, in, I'm sure that you're hyper familiar with that. It's yep. very, very, uh, very complex, very multi-dimensional. It's a turn-based game where you're basically trying to build a civilization from the Stone Age all the way up to the, you know, to you know, colonizing Alpha Centauri. So it's it's a long gameplay <laughs> and it's it's very in-depth. In so I don't find myself, the moral of the story here is I don't find myself gravitating toward these medium weight games so often because they're a little bit more complex 
in my opinion, or at least in my in my uh, game palette, than it needs to be. And that just, it's like, all right, there's going to be this setup time. We're going to have to shuffle the cards. Somebody's going to argue over what piece they get to use in Monopoly <laughs> or whatever. And it's like, ah, I'm not in, I'm not in it for this. You know, risk, yeah. risk is about as far as I'll go. But yeah. when I, when I saw this game, one of the things that really attracted me to it is like the civilization games, what you're really trying to do here is you're trying to figure out what your strategy or your way to victory is. And you want to double down and get all the little bonuses that kind of mm -hmm. tack on and create these uh, force multipliers as you go. And I see that as being very close and actually being very truthful to the narrative and the process of creating a distillery, whether you're doing it mm -hmm. as a small craft distillery, a local place, or if you're doing it with institutional funding, regardless of the scale, you're still trying to hit these little force multipliers. And those seem to be what dictate success versus perhaps obscurity. And so, so yeah, that's, that, that's really what I was keying in on as you were um, describing the gameplay. So now that we know what it generally entails. I have mm -hmm. two follow-up questions. Mm -hmm. What is, so we've got medium weight. This is also described as a Euro game. So hopefully you can define yep. that term for us. And then maybe like, what is the next level? Now that we know the overview here, what's, what's the next level of things and considerations that somebody should understand going into perhaps playing a round of distilled? Totally good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so medium weight showing kind of that that middle middle area. And you're totally right, Eric, that idea of um, how much time do I invest in setup and play? Uh, and, and that's something that is probably a good example of medium weight where you're going to spend a little bit of time setting up, you might take 1520 minutes to set it up, you might play it for an hour or two with some friends right around the table. Um, but there's lots of decision space. And that's where that that medium weight comes from. So Euro uh, so not to get too much into the weeds, but in 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 game terms, uh, people often will refer to a game perhaps as a Euro style or European Euro style game, or and this you'll love this, or an Ameritrash game. That's the other <laughs> the other style. So who knows where that came from? But essentially, Ameritrash games uh, tend to be ones that have conflict. Uh, direct conflict uh, amongst each other. Yeah, you're. I, you're. I. I know you're smiling right now because it's. I. It's. It's like terrible stereotypes of Americans. Um. It's. It's heavy on theme usually. Heavy on narrative. Um. Uh. And kind of uh, swingy in terms of chance, like rolling dice and other stuff too. Euro is much more honestly kind of bland usually in terms of the theme. It might just be something that is a bunch of just cards and bits and bobs you're moving around. But it's much more thinky in terms of the weight of it, the strategy involved. But and there's not conflict. That usually you're doing things on your own. You're competing, perhaps, but not directly with each other. So anyway, so that that's what Euro means. And this is this is definitely more in that realm. You're not uh, you're not trying to burn down someone's distillery or you know steal their spirit or something out from under them. You know their barrels out of the warehouse. Um, but instead, kind of working on your own distillery because the the players, let's say four people are playing around the table, you have your own distillery you're working on as your player, making your own unique blends or, or, or singles or whatever. So anyway, um, how the game plays out, just a typical round, you, let's just imagine you're a round or two into the game. Uh, you have some money. You always have some money because hopefully you sold a spirit the previous round. 
And you take that money to the market that's in the middle of the table. So imagine kind of the space in the middle with uh, uh, some different cards laid out. And you get to choose. That market's always changing. Uh, New cards are coming through, new unique abilities. And you have to choose. Do I want to buy an ingredient like a a special corn instead of just a basic grain? Maybe I want a corn or a wheat. uh, you you can choose whether to buy certain special bottles or barrels, as well as those upgrades, as well as recipes. So you're trying to deal with that, trying to figure that out. And then once you've purchased whatever you need to for that round, you bring it back to your distillery and you're distilling alcohol. And this is the key part of the game that people enjoy. And this is kind of how I came up with the idea originally, where you have essentially what I call a washback, which is especially in kind of Scotland a term, but sometimes we use it in the States too, where you're dumping your yeast, your water, and your sugars into. Everything's represented in cards in this game. So let's just say I want to make a whiskey in this game. If I want to make a whiskey, I need to be sure I'm putting certain grains in there. It can be, in this case, any grains. There is advanced variants and uh, recipes that I could make a, a certain whiskey, like a bourbon. Then I have to, have, of course, have corn in there, or perhaps it's a, it's a single malt. I have to have uh, barley in there. But in this case, it can be any sort of grains. So what I'm doing is I'm ta- I'm putting these cards in the side of my player board. It's curved to look like this washback, like this big tub. And you always have to have water. You always have to have yeast. And these are represented by cards. And you always have to have a sugar, in this case, grain. It could be a plant, which is things like sugarcane or potatoes, uh, or it could be a fruit. But in this case, we're making whiskey. So I put those in. Let's say I put in two grains because I can choose how many cards I want to put in there. Why I do that is the next step is, I let I count the number of grain cards and I add alcohol cards that are a stack in the middle of the table for every one of those grain cards. So in this case, I'd add two alcohols. Why I do that, of course, is I'm trying to represent that idea of kind of this spirit growing, the yeast eating, the sugar turning into alcohol. So again, trying to represent as best as I can the actual fermentation process. Then what I do, and this is kind of the key hook for the game, is that the players need to take all those cards together, flip them over so they can't see them, shuffle them all together, so mix them all up, And I'm trying to represent the distillation process here. So after they've shuffled, I ask them to take the top card and the bottom card, the head and the tail of this run, and they pull them off. They they cut them, right? They pull them off and they put them back in their pantry to reuse them for a future distillation. But then whatever they have left is the spirit they've made. Well, if they've only put two grains in there and their whiskey needs two grains, according to the recipe, uh, if they've pulled those, they've no longer made whiskey because they've cut it close. They could have taken taken careful consideration, added more grains in there and been sure to make whiskey, right? So like really think about that recipe, putting the proper amount of ingredients in there. But they could also try and cut it close and hope they can make it. Uh, and so essentially what you do is you compare it to the recipes you have. Maybe you know how to make whiskey and maybe soju. You know how to make soju from Korea. Maybe you know how to make uh, vodka um, or moonshine. So you can you compare it to see what you've made. And then you can essentially bottle that and sell it. You put it into a bottle that you've invested in, get the money and the points from that. Or let's say you did make whiskey. You didn't pull those precious grains when you took the head and tail cut. Then you don't sell it right away. You put it into a barrel that you've invested in and you send it to your warehouse, which is on your board as well at the bottom of your board. And it sits there from round to round as long as you want. And every round it's in there, you're not earning money from it, right? It's sitting in the warehouse. But you are adding flavor cards. So I've got a, a stack of face down cards on the table that are flavor cards. They're, it's more fun than anything, just to have fun around the table. You add one without looking at it every round. So let's say I age my whiskey for three rounds, and then I'm ready to pull it out and bottle it. 
I then splay out the cards at the table and describe to them the whiskey I've made. So, you know, it might be that I've randomly chosen uh, caramel, vanilla, and tobacco. Awesome. Delicious. Great. Uh, but it might also be that I've pulled rubber tires. I, you know, there's, it's not going to hurt you. It's more of a fun thing to, to say. Um, it's like a Mad Lib. Exactly. It's like, yeah, exactly. And the last thing I'll say about that is you're selling that and getting money in points because it's been in there longer. But um, if you invested, let's say you had invested in, I don't know, uh, a malting floor or a, a cupola doig ventilator or perhaps a warehouse manager, those people that are working or equipment in your distillery are going to actually let you decide which flavors to add. You do get to look then because you have taken the time to invest in your distillery. So there's always different routes I'm trying to create for you. You can do it by the skin of your teeth, distilling and, and, and aging, or you could invest the money to have quality spirits as well. So it's kind of up to you as the player, which route to go. Mm. Yeah. So this now, now we're getting into it. I like this. A couple mm -hmm. of things that I think would be helpful for our listeners to know. Uh, it seems like you go into this game with a set of resources, right? Like with, with some money to spend. Mm -hmm. Is that mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. So, so, so the yep. the first round of this game is gonna be like, all right, it's almost like imagine yourself into this scenario. Your long lost relative has has given you bequeathed unto the yeah, yeah. this distillery and you know you, you you open the doors they creak open it's been in perhaps you know disuse for a little little while and you've got to kind of start from start from scratch and mm -hmm. you have a certain amount of funds to be able to put into this initially and so you can spend those funds on you know the pantry items, literally the, the raw materials that you need to mm -hmm. create these spirits. And generally, that's I, I imagine what rounds one and two ish look like is you're sort of you're putting stuff out that might not be the premium premium stuff that you eventually want to put out. That's going to give you all those force multipliers with the fancy bottles mm -hmm. and the tobacco and the caramel. But mm -hmm. you put these out. You sell it, you get money from that. And then as you get more money, you then kind of choose your own adventure in terms of which mm -hmm. type of distillery you want to be. So I imagine there's probably a commodity way to win this game, just cranking out vodka and or moonshine and you just get that stuff to market. But then there's also a slightly more sophisticated, more structured way. You know, you're, you're kind of building the distillery that maybe matches, you know, your worldview or your, your approach to spirits or, or what you, mm -hmm. you know, what you want to do with that particular game. So I, I really like that. This episode is brought to you by Near Country Provisions. If you're like me, here are some things you might be like. You live in the Mid-Atlantic. You enjoy meat. You highly prefer that your meat is local, sustainable, and comes from ethically raised animals. And you'd absolutely love for someone to deliver it to your door once a month. If this sounds like you, then you need Near Country Provisions in your life. Head over to nearcountry.com and check out their different, highly customizable meat delivery packages and also browse their growing seafood selection. As a thank you for being a Modern Bar Cart listener, you can get two free pounds of ground beef or bacon included in your first order after subscribing if you enter the code BARCART, all one word, at checkout. That's BARCART, B-A-R-C-A-R-T, at checkout. Near Country Provisions is the real deal, and I can honestly say that I'd recommend them even if they weren't a sponsor. The meat and the local farmers they work with are just that good. Now, back to the show. So now that we've covered those basics and 
the sort of overview of what Distilled is and, and how the gameplay works, I wonder if you could maybe describe some of the challenges that went into this, because as much as I like some of the creative solutions that you've created, right? Like the, the drawing the top and the bottom card of, of cutting mm -hmm. the heads and the tails and then reserving them. I love that you recycle these back just mm -hmm. like a distillery would yep. recycle yep. these back in, which is another thing that builds over time, that pile mm -hmm. of heads and tails cards, exactly. uh, which, which sort of complexifies things as the phases go on. But like, aside mm -hmm. from that, which is clearly a problem that you solved with this really beautiful little gameplay innovation, like mm -hmm. what were some of the challenges that you either had to overcome or sort of maybe step around on the way to creating this board game yeah so <laughs> great question eric this is something that i've i've struggled with probably for the last year and a half and developing and fine-tuning it finding that middle ground that both people are that like spirits as well as people that like uh, just playing these types of games would enjoy it and get it and, and all that so two things i'll i'll point out that i've had to cut from the game this game when it began was just about whiskey. It was just focused 100% on making different types of whiskey. And very quickly, I realized to, to be able to kind of give more of a worldview that was important to me to educate people about all the cool spirits out there. But when that started, I was, I was trying to be as strict as possible to help, again, getting back to that idea of a professor, uh, educating people on the process. So for instance, what I did was instead of just saying, you can make whiskey with any grains you want, or you can make, um, you know, uh, right now I've got it. You can make rum with any types of plants you want. That's not true. We know that. I can't toss like potatoes into my rum. Well, I could, but I, the people don't toss potatoes into the rum, but I had to gamify it because originally I did have it saying, if you wanted to make rum, you had to have the sugarcane molasses card purchased from the store, or if you wanted to make single malt, you had to have barley and nothing else. Well, that, of course, became a big problem because for two reasons. One, to try and hope that players find those over the course of the game in the market was a problem. But then also, uh, what was before them, in front of them, was essentially a giant Excel sheet, where it's like, no, this this ingredient doesn't count. This one does. This ingredient doesn't count. It was a mess. It was it was a, it was a complete mess as far as chaos. It was great because it was authentic, but it was a mess otherwise. So I had to kind of trim that idea off down to something that was essentially more gamified, um, so that it still delivers that idea, but maybe isn't one hundred percent authentic. Um, and I solved that by adding these signature, what's called the signature recipe. So when you inherit your distillery from someone, uh, they know how to make one very specific, unique spirit that does try to follow that authenticity. So it does require barley for a single malt or, or whatever it might be. So that was one big thing. The other thing that I had to take out, which was fun, but all, and I, I'm, I'm sad I had to, but at the end of the day, it was worthwhile doing to take it out was that of course, as we know, when things age in a warehouse, over time, uh, that alcohol, that spirit disappears, right? It goes up to the angels as, as the angels share, or soaks in as the devil's cut, whatever, however you'd like to kind of approach that. But what I tried to do too was I wanted players to in, have this sit in their warehouse, uh, but then I wanted them to lose some of their spirit because I wanted them to see like what that was like. So I actually had them fanning out their cards right before they sold it. And then someone else would like randomly pull cards as the angel it wasn't good. It was, you know, again, you'd go from making like a whiskey to nothing, a moonshine, uh, even though you sure. had aged this thing half the game. So I, that's a good, another good example of just having to cut some things that is too bad, but um, uh, you have to find that balance between gameplay 
and uh, you know, kind of that idea and more authenticity or simulation. And I could certainly imagine perhaps down the road, a digital version of the game that does incorporate the angel share, the evaporation. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, you need to take into account other factors like, you know, are you aging this in the Caribbean or are you aging this up in Scotland? Yeah, exactly. We're talking about a, a five to eight percent, five to 10 percent or a one to two percent loss here. Yep. Uh, yep. These, these these are interesting questions. And and. I, I knew that there were going to be instances like this because the spirits game in the real world here of distillation, <laughs> aging and selling is so complex. And there's so many things I knew that undoubtedly you would run into some of them. And what I do like, though, is that, you know what? At the end of the day, every culture has their moonshine. So regardless mm -hmm. of whether you get the short end of the stick and you discard something crucial that you were hoping for in that heads or tails cut, well, you're still going to have probably some moonshine left over and, and that, at it. least, exactly at least right. you can sell that. And I think that's so true to real world. And especially, you know, like thinking back to a game, like a civilization where you advance up through these ages and things get more complex. Well, as you advance up and you keep accruing those heads and tails cuts, you're going to have more good stuff in there as the game goes on. And so, you know, maybe, yes, are there still going to be some of those snafus that occur? Almost undoubtedly, but mm -hmm. the, the the odds change and get, get a little bit more complex and, and actually playable. You can actually play those odds a little bit more intentionally, it seems, as the game goes on. So mm -hmm. uh, I, really, I really do love that. Um, one nice. of the things, one of the things that I think most resonates with me is these signature recipes because that's where we get to the spirits that we love whether you're a whiskey mm -hmm. fan or a rum fan or what have you or whether you're a person who's just intrigued by like oh well i gotta make chin i guess that means i need botanicals like how all right we mm -hmm. gotta go to the pantry and get some of these botanicals or mm -hmm. baijo you know like what the mm -hmm. heck is baijo like suddenly yeah. like i randomly <laughs> i randomly decided i was going to be distiller x here and this and the custom recipe that this person comes with is a baijo recipe for example mm -hmm. so what does that mean it gets not only discussion going around the table right because there's not necessarily as you mentioned with it being euro style game you're not necessarily mm -hmm. trying to um you're trying to beat everybody else but you're not trying to conflictingly vanquish them one yes. by one as <laughs> as you're you know you're not you're not trying to monopoly uh, kick them out of That's the game right. or <laughs> risk, you know, risk, chase them down to Australia and, and just vanquish them. So, That's right. <laughs> um, so, so it seems like this is a place where with the personas and with the signature recipes, it seems like this is a place where a lot of the fun customization and sort of table chatter comes from. So can, can you talk to me about how you decided to narrow in on those distiller personas? And mm -hmm. it seems like this also might be a good place to pitch one of your like tiers in the Kickstarter campaign, because I, oh, sure. it seems like you can, depending on which Kickstarter level mm -hmm. you decide to go for, you can get more of these personas or more of these certain types of cards. So please tell us all about that. Totally, totally. Yeah, that was a big part of the game. Uh, a big, big driving force behind these personas was uh, my artist, the artist that I'm working with on the game. Um, he, Eric, his name's Eric Evanson. 
he's he's a graphic novelist. He does a lot of character art as well and illustration. Uh, and I wanted to be sure to let, allow him to kind of um, kind of spread his wings and and kind of go nuts with some of these character designs. So we purposely made it so that that was a big part of it. Inheriting this distillery, not necessarily from someone that we would normally expect because of our own personal lineage, whoever we are playing the game, but just randomly, you're essentially dealt two of these cards. There's over 16 of them in the game. So you're dealt these cards uh, at the beginning, two of them, and you have to choose which one you want to play as. And as you mentioned, each one is aligned with a specific spirit. So they're, they're supposed to represent a distiller that has a specialization in that type of spirit. And they're also from a certain region. So the base game, uh, the, the game, kind of just the core game, it comes with a bunch of distillers from the Americas. So that includes North America, so Canada, uh, United States, as well as South America, Central America. Um, it also includes uh, Europe, of course, uh, from all over Europe. Uh, and then finally, Asia and Oceania. Uh, so with those regions, you're going to have not only those individuals that are representing different cultures, as well as history points in history. So it's not necessarily... You're inher- yes, it's. I guess you could argue it's modern times, but you're inheriting it. That could have been someone from 200 years ago, maybe. You know, so so you we've got people that uh, are clearly from a different time period. We're able to do that because of that. So they all have uh, a portrait that you see on the front, a painted portrait that you end up hanging in your distillery, and then on the back of the card. And they all, I should say, they have a certain power. All of them have a certain unique power that only you can do as a, as a player. But on the back of the card, there's a story about their backstory, as well as um, uh, starting resources and their signature recipe. So depending on where they're coming from, they're going to kind of be doing wildly different things uh, in the game. And that's the whole idea is that maybe you get the game, you play it with your, your friends, you play as, let's say, the a knight from France uh, who specializes in, in cognac. Um, so perhaps you play as them. But then maybe the next time, you you play as the Japanese businessman that uh, specializes in shochu. Right. So it's like it's always different. And the hope is that then you get to replay this and have new uh, approaches and strategies. Uh, And then finally, um, the other important part that, like you had mentioned, is that in the Kickstarter, we wanted to also make sure to highlight uh, uh, Middle East and Africa. Although there's not as many spirits uh, hailing from that region, there are some really unique ones, like a rock is probably one of the most common or most well-known ones. Um, uh, and then many others too, uh, from throughout Africa. So what we've tried to do there is if you really want the full experience and have an additional fourth region in the game, uh, as well as, um, a bunch, six more, uh, distillers, um, and, and also new spirits to make as well, you can get that second tier. That's a little bit more money. Uh, but that comes with essentially what we call an expansion, a small box that has over, uh, I think over 150 cards and tokens, uh, in addition to that. Uh, as well as it comes with metal coins and some coasters and some and a shot glass. It's it's more of like a fun full package um, uh, kind of thing uh, that you can get as well. Yeah, I like that. I'm gonna hit you with a very specific gameplay question here, and it's it's because of the <laughs> way because of the way my my mind works. Now, when when you when you pick, this seems to be like literally the first part of the game, right? You're literally yeah. picking your avatar, your your persona for the game. So you get these two cards. Now, mm-hmm. assuming like most board games, you got to pick who starts, and yeah, I'm assuming it goes ca- clockwise yeah, or counterclockwise. Yep. 
do, do you choose your distillers in order so that the first person has to declare their distiller so that then oh. you say, ah, oh, cause like if there's somebody who, let's say, you know, you, uh, the, the first person, or let's say it's, it's a one V one I'm playing against my friend, Sally and Sally mm -hmm. decides she's going to pick a, a distiller that has some sort of artisan superpower where, you know, maybe, maybe she has some sort of aging superpower or, mm -hmm. or something that lends itself toward higher quality spirits that are going to command a larger price per bottle on the mm -hmm. market, especially if she's smart and decides to invest in really nice bottles, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> uh, now, would I then maybe get to see her declare that and be like, oh, I need to go for the quick, dirty victory and like get this person who really uh, spe uh, specializes in scale? Or do you decide and then everybody sort of flips their cards over at once? Yeah, it's more of the decide and everybody flips. But, you know, that's a good I point. Like that. I'm, not I'm not sure if we've really uh, stated that. That's uh, that's a very good observation. I, I, I should say, though, that like you said, and you're totally right, there is someone, it's actually the Scotsman, uh, who has uh, aging powers, of course, uh, while you've got someone uh, that might sell, um, that specializes in unaged spirits that, that gets extra money when they sell unaged spirits. Um, so those are their powers. But it's we've purposely made it so that those powers aren't too extreme. Like they do a little bit extra, but not a lot. Because you could always say like, okay, that's fine. The Scotsman has, Sally has, uh, is doing all this uh, aging stuff, but you could invest in aging in the distillery upgrades and actually become even more powerful than her if you wanted to, if you wanted to go that route. But uh, right now it's kind of more, yeah, just choose on your own and then kind of flip it. There's other things too that I didn't get into that you have little goals that you're trying to, that are secret. No one knows until the end of the game and you reveal those, right? So like oh, wow. one of yours could be to have the most age spirits, uh, but you get to choose. You have a bunch of them to choose from. You choose which ones there's, there's public things people are going for out in the middle of the table as well. When someone gets it, it flips, no one else can get it. So there's a little bit of racing to those things as well. So there's lots of, there's what we tried to do is basically design a game that you have, and you've already implied it a little bit, different paths, I could go the the unaged spirit route. I could go the sophisticated route of, of age spirits. I could mix it up a little bit. Maybe I invest in distillery upgrades and actually I'm getting more points from there than than other people because there's points getting from there too. So lots of different ways to, to achieve victory as a distiller here. What I love about that approach is that it's not, it has a very different appeal than a game like Risk, or as I was mentioning earlier, like a game like Cribbage. The appeal of a game like Cribbage is that there's so much chance in there that, mm -hmm. you know, like it's, and it's so, the, the gameplay is so simple that it's something that you can do casually. It's a game that I play with my dad when I, when I go and visit him over holidays or something. And then, mm -hmm. you know, we can just play cribbage. We do it almost like on autopilot. We're just sitting oh, yeah, there just chatting and, and, yeah, and we're yeah. just chatting, you know, it's a game you play yeah. to catch up, but yeah. distilled is what I was concerned with. But mm -hmm. before I watched some of your gameplay videos is I was like, Hmm, is this guy going to be like really glossing over some really important aspects of the distilling experience yeah. to the extent that it gets a little bit repetitive and that like once you've played the game once or twice, it's just sort of like, ah, eh. but like yeah. the way that you've set up these little boosts and these little, what you might call force multipliers in terms of score. Mm -hmm. And the, the way that you really intelligently set these both random and strategic bonuses throughout the game, uh, also the also the, some of the checks like the heads and tails cut mm -hmm. makes it so that each game really is 
anew. And mm-hmm. uh, I, to me, like that de-risks the game from a financial standpoint as a consumer because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm looking at the price and I'm saying like, hmm, all right, if I'm paying X amount of money for this game, like, am I at least going to get a few, like, you know, half yeah, a dozen, play a dozen playthroughs? Yeah, exactly. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so from that standpoint, it really is unique. And, and of course, anybody on Kickstarter, you know, I've done a Kickstarter before. Anybody on Kickstarter mm-hmm. needs to play up the fact that they're the best. And so you've got these, you know, you've got a beautiful <laughs> Kickstarter page. You've got lots of praise from lots of people. But watching the gameplay, I actually happen to agree with them. So so mm-hmm. I, I want to compliment you on on the the intelligence of the design because because you really did put in enough complexity there to keep the game fresh. And especially if you were to grab that expansion pack where you've got the Africa and the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, I now I like this as an expansion pack because especially due to the Muslim influence in a lot of this area, there's just not mm-hmm. the same type of distillation going on. There's yes, there's maybe mm-hmm. some hydrosols like rose water perfume stuff going on mm-hmm. historically, but way less distillation of mm-hmm. beverage alcohol so it does make sense to me as an add-on rather than as sort of like the mm-hmm. the uh the, the starter pack so mm-hmm. uh that that makes a lot of historical and logical sense to me uh but yeah i, I just wanted to compliment that and, and just say like i am not a board game guy but this is one that i think is is super useful and i could actually really see this being used as an educational tool in you know programs that are designed to get people into the fermentation and distillation Mm -hmm. game you know like there's a lot Mm -hmm. of colleges and universities that actually have tracks for that now and Mm -hmm. i could see it being a bigger thing for high school vocational schools as well so i I, have you gotten any interest in this as like an actual education tool thus far yeah that that's a good question i've gotten a little bit from um distilleries themselves that are interested in having this be something that people could uh, like you said, maybe they're, di- you know how sometimes a distillery will do almost like a all day masterclass or or something where you'll start to get certified. So they're interested in that. I haven't got, I did get one person from a high school, a teacher from high school, but it's that, then I'm walking that weird line of, of, yeah, learn how to make alcohol kids. Right. So it's, it's, it's a tricky one. Um, obviously there's no alcohol in this in terms of drinking it and there's no actually implied drinking at all. It's all about recipes, making it's cooking basically. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, I've gotten a little bit from colleges, but especially distilleries. Um, and I don't know, but my dream has always been once I realized that this could be different spirits than just whiskey. And I've just expanded that big time across around the world now. Um, my hope is that people that are really into the game or really into spirits will maybe have their friends over and have a couple of these bottles on hand and be like, Hey, I just, I just made by Joe, uh, let me pour you a bit of it as well. So, um, you know, without getting too out of hand, but, uh, I, I, I hope some of that happens because I know for me, it's been a really awesome experience to explore new spirits that I did. I, I did not know existed before. I've always been a a whiskey fan, but man, it has opened up a lot, um, uh, to, to me as far as the, the amazing stuff being made all around the world. Um, and I hope that will help. I hope that will happen with people playing the game as well, that they'll start to think about that too. I think so. I think so. I love that this is an American game because I think one of the things we're at risk for right now in our popular culture is is a little bit of uh, navel gazing in in that mm-hmm. uh, we t- we tend 
not to not to look outside of our own borders as as much as folks from other places perhaps do. And I see this game as being hugely advantageous in that respect and in, in literally saying like, all right, guess what? There's a whole big world out there and there's lots of different types of alcohol being produced both currently and historically. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. let's get ready and make some Iraq. Let's get maybe That's right. That's you know, let's right. get ready and make some soju like it's, it's right. time, folks. Um, yep. So I, I guess to wrap up the the main segment of the interview here, Dave, uh, what is the future? I guess sort of the immediate future for the launch of this game. It seems like seems like you got a lot of boxes you're going to have to pack up, and, uh, <laughs> and maybe the more long term future for, for Paverson. Yeah. yeah so um, of course. Immediate future, once the Kickstarter ends, we'll start. Uh, we did lots of things called stretch goals. Uh, for those that aren't familiar with Kickstarter, it essentially means we funded, awesome. But now since we're making even more money, let's add more stuff for free. Let's not add more to the cost that you're getting the game for, but actually just add more goodies in there. So we've got a little bit of work to do there. Not a lot, but a little bit as far, mostly art um, uh, that my artist will continue to work on. Uh, and then we'll get those manufactured and then shipped out. Yeah, we're looking at a large, large print run that luckily there's companies out there that can help us fulfill that. So it's not going to be, you know, pallets, ba- trucks backing up to my driveway and dropping them off. Luckily, um, uh, it's going to be working with different companies to fulfill that all around the world, really. Um, so that's kind of near future next year, the next year's worth, I'd say. Um, but I'm really excited because I've got we've already got uh, ideas for our first expansion uh, that is hopefully going to be looking a little bit more at rectifying and um, just kind of um, uh, different types of liqueurs as well, because that's a whole different market, right? So, if, or not market, well, it's a whole different market, but a whole different kind of world where it's not just this, the pure distillation, but what, what can you add to something to create something unique, whether that results in things that are actually cocktails or perhaps just standalone spirits like liqueurs, um, so I'm, I've got some ideas churning around in my head there that would be new elements of gameplay as well that uh, that we'd hope to then kind of introduce after this has successfully shipped and we were able to play test the new expansion. We then introduce something like that as well. Mm. Well, I mean, just off the top of my head, I can think of a number of distilleries who have trademarked a particular cocktail. I mean, whether to the detriment of overall cocktail culture or not, we can we can debate. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there, there's something to be said about that dark and stormy. Right. You know, there's, yeah, a, specific, right. exactly. there's a specific rum that you got to use in that. So yep. uh, I, 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 I like that. I like where your head's at. So feel free. Yeah. <laughs> uh, feel free if you need any data testers or anybody any sanity yeah, exactly. checkers on that. I, I would love to love to be kept in the loop and and this is um this is super exciting because I, I think the smart thing about this release is is that you did a really good job finding exactly where it just tips over from complexity into chaos and 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 lop those little um, avenues off and and then you also uh were you know, smart enough to leave yourself some avenues open for expansion down the mm-hmm. line. So uh, I, I think that that was really smart and really well done. And um, is is there anything else that that you think that we may have glossed over too quickly or or uh, entirely not mentioned here about this game? I just I really, of course, want to direct people to the gameplay videos in the show notes page, but also like I want to give you a chance to say like if there's something that you think is really crucial to understanding or being interested in this game. I want you to be able to share it with us. Oh, thank you. No, I think uh, 
just two quick things. One, um, and I, I, I've talked about this uh, in, in other ways too, I think on my own blog as well, but this all started in Scotland actually. So I was in Scotland doing research for some other project. Uh, and one night I couldn't sleep and I had this idea after touring different distilleries, I'd spent almost a week on Isla. Uh, and so it was, it was true inspiration uh, from uh, having drams and, and tours of distilleries to come up with this game. So that's one thing I'd want to acknowledge that essentially it was created in Scotland. Um, and then the other one I want to just point out for those that might be listening to this and saying, well, I like spirits, but games don't sound that interesting to me, or I'm just, I don't know, it just sounds too complex to me. Uh, I just want to kind of point out that for me as a game designer, um, myself, uh, I've been playing video games all my life, not a lot, but just for fun every so often. I played games like you have, Eric, as a kid, some of the same games you had mentioned, in fact, but um, it actually wasn't until about eight years ago that my wife got me a game. It's called Dominion, but it's it's a it's a card-based game that uh, most people probably will not have heard of out there. Uh, that's in the kind of same realm as some people probably have heard of Settlers of Catan. Um, but in this in this realm of what's called a designer board game, and it's it once I played this game Dominion once, it my head just exploded, opened up this world of of games that I just live and breathe now. Uh, where if you're someone that likes to be sitting around the table with friends, having conversation, having drinks, uh, maybe have a little bit of a challenge to solve something. Um, you really sh don't don't kind of dismiss distilled as oh that sounds too complex I wouldn't want to play that that's that's for the kids or whatever um, I wouldn't I wouldn't um, dismiss it because I think that there's a lot of people out there that don't realize how amazing board games are and where they are now they are not what you see on the shelves in Target or a toy store they're very very different just like I would compare it honestly to spirits ninety eight percent of the I don't know of the population thinks of spirits as like Bacardi and Jack Daniels, right? Or whatever. Um, that's exact, but we know full well that there's so much complexity and sophistication and science and just art and craft behind this world of spirits. Uh, when we dive deeper, that's exact. I'm not kidding. That's exactly like the board game world where it's a small uh, grouping of people that realize and see that all these games out there. So I just give, make sure people think about that and give it a chance, just like you think about your spirits as well. For sure. And I think the perfect person in my mind, if I had to give you the perfect person for this game, just in my personal opinion, having watched the, the gameplay, is if you are the sort of person who has gone on enough distillery tours to be able to understand like, all right, here's the fermentation. All right, now they're going to show me the stills. All right, now they're going to bring me over to the barrels. Like if you're starting to get Just a little bit tasting. bored, yeah. yeah, if you're starting to get a little bit bored by the distillery tours, and because yeah. you've seen the you've seen the cycle and the process, then this might be the next fun step for point. you because now Very you actually point. get to take the reins. And mm -hmm. I know that I myself and and many people um, who are my friends and and acquaintances are probably in that camp. I've been on dozens of <laughs> distillery tours. Yep. Yep. I get it. Not, doesn't mean I don't want to keep on doing it, but now it's like, ooh, now I get to run it like this is kind of yeah. cool. And I also don't have to, uh, you know, put my personal savings at risk because this exactly. is a hypothetical thing that has been uh, or, or illegally do it. Dead relative. Or, yeah. Or illegally do it in my basement. Right. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
so so it's you don't have to invest in extra fire insurance or uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, a, 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 you know sign away your savings to play this game, that's, which I think are right. uh, two two good bonuses. So uh, as I mentioned one last time, we will have links to the Kickstarter, the gameplay videos over at modernbarcart.com forward slash podcast. Uh, so Dave, you ready to jump into the lightning round? Give it to me. Ready. First question. This is ostensibly a spirits and cocktail podcast. What is your favorite cocktail? And if you don't have a favorite of all time, what's something you've been getting into more recently? Yeah. So I would say that, um, this is gonna, this is gonna sound maybe blasphemous to some people, uh, out there, but it's because of where I live and what I've gotten used to and the experience that I have uh, when I drink it. And it is a brandy old fashioned. So not not a whiskey old fashioned like most of the country, but a brandy old fashioned uh, at a supper club in northern Wisconsin um, uh, where they make it right and they muddle it right. Um, and uh, it might not taste uh, like the best drink I've ever had, but that that feeling of enjoying it and where I am is really important to me. So. Now, with the brandy old fashioned, I'm guessing that is with the orange slice and the the cherry. Yep. And, and it's, and they, sometimes they'll put it on top to garnish as well, but it, they're mm-hmm. always, of course, muddle, the good ones are muddling it, but it is funny how I only order at places that I know how their old fashioned is made because a lot of places will not muddle it. They'll just kind of toss it in. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's crazy how many Wisconsin folks we've had on the podcast. It really is uh, one of the places that I've been meaning to visit in the U.S. specifically for its drinking culture, because Wisconsin have, of course, they have the the brandy old fashioned, but there's also like a huge Bloody Mary culture there. Oh, and yeah. It's I, I just want to go. It sounds like a fun place to drink. It doesn't sound like it takes itself too seriously. So uh, I, it, I love that answer, actually. Great. There's a there's there's of course some great um, different bars cocktail bars in mainly in Madison and Milwaukee but uh, there's actually a really great uh, restaurant slash bar in Madison called the Old Fashioned um, and they make of course a, a heck of a good Old Fashioned but then there's a place down the street from them called the Avenue and the Avenue Bar and Grill is very similar to maybe something you'd find on you know Sunset Strip you know old Hollywood. Um, it's been around forever. It is a, a supper club. Uh, and one of my favorite things to do when I'm in Madison is to go there on a Friday because Wisconsin takes their fish fries as well as all supper clubs do here very seriously. So you get a fish fry and you get an old fat brandy old fashioned. And it's just, I don't know, it takes you back. It's, it's pretty nuts how, uh, kind of locked in time that experience is still in Wisconsin, even to this day. I love it. I love it. It is officially on my list. Yeah, Next question. Yeah. Uh, what's a seemingly small or maybe a little idiosyncratic occurrence that always makes your day? And, and my stock answer here is whenever I see uh, one or more little birds kind of chasing away a big bird, I always get a little tr- a little chuckle. <laughs> yeah. So for me, this one, um, I don't know. For me, I, I have a couple that I interact with every day. One would be that I take an elevator up to work every day and it's only once every maybe 15 times when I push the button and the doors open. And that is just a really nice thing to be able to, ah, mm. good. I don't have to wait. I can go straight in. And then the other one I would say every so often when I, um, it's nice in a small town where you can always usually find parking, but it's always parking meters where it's already prepaid for you. Someone's left. Ooh. You got to, 
you know, you got like an hour, right? Uh, still paid in the in that meter. That's nice too. Yeah, that's like finding the money in the jacket pocket, it, man. That's so fantastic. Good. Ooh, so good. ooh, I like. I felt both of those. That's what I'm trying to do. It's that little. It's every everybody right now is operating at this sort of deficit of dopamine and serotonin, and so exactly. I'm just trying to. I'm, I'm trying to give people as they listen. There you go. Like little, you get a little bit there. Ooh, oh yeah. Just uh, push that button. Right. That elevator door opens up. Um, fantastic. <laughs> if you could have a cocktail with anyone in the world, past or present. Who would it be? Where would you go? What would you drink? Just kind of paint us a picture. Mm -hmm. So um, I would, a little bit cheesy, but it would be my grandpa because when I was a, when I was a kid, I didn't think about it at the time, but he always, he always ordered a drink. The funny thing is I can't remember what it was, but I can always remember what he ordered me which was a kitty cocktail or a Shirley Temple. So I I think I this sounds really weird, but I think I would probably have a kitty cocktail or a Shirley Temple with him. Um he's long since passed at this uh the Miami Valley Country Club in Dayton, Ohio, which is where we would go and uh and I I still remember the smell, the feel, the the leather on the seat, the faux leather on the seats. Um and yeah, so I'd I'd catch up with him. I'd ask him what he always ordered. Cause I don't actually know what it was. Uh, maybe I'd have him order that for me, but I'd probably also order a, a Shirley temple kitty cocktail, uh, as well, just for old time's sake. Well, it's, it's, it's less important. I mean, it's important to you, but less important as a child, what he ordered, because you got that Shirley exactly. temple, man, you were said, oh like, Oh my gosh, that sweet reward. I was so fancy. It's, <laughs> it is the, uh, what, what I've described it as in, in the past, I did a mocktail audio essay and I described the Shirley Temple as the gray poupon of acceptable child beverages. <laughs> I love it. And maybe that's why I found myself in, because I grew up in Ohio and I found myself up here in Wisconsin because of my wife's family. Maybe that's why I've, I've, because it real old fashioned kind of is like that. I mean, you got the, the, the Marchino cherries, the, I, it's kind of ridiculous, especially in Wisconsin, you order, Either you can order the old-fashioned sweet, so you say brandy old-fashioned sweet, uh, and so sometimes I'll do that, and then they're just dumping some of that juice in there too. So that might be why there's that connection. Now that I've never thought about that till now. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love it. Uh, last, <laughs> last big lightning round question here: uh, Do you have any unusual or controversial views in the spirits and cocktail world, or if not in that world, I, I'm willing to bet you have one in the board game world. Ah. <laughs> Uh, yes. So I would say that my controversial, it's not controversial because it's something that I think many people do, but, uh, I'm a mainly a whiskey fan, mainly a whiskey drinker, uh, single malt, especially. Uh, and I am someone that really believes always in adding water to my whiskey. Uh, not a ton, just not dousing it, obviously just a, a couple, couple drops. Uh, a lot of people do that, but I would say it's controversial in the sense that, um, most people outside of that world don't even think of, you know, they think that's absurd. So not too controversial, but, uh, I would say the other one too would be, uh, in the board game world. Ooh, I didn't think about that, but now I want to, I want to think of that. Oh yes. So in the board game world, I have to, um, bag everything that I own. So all of the board games, if you were to open them up, would have little baggies that probably look more like I'm a drug dealer or the amount of these bags I order from, from Amazon. Uh, but I have to bag all those tokens up. Uh, and so a lot of people kind of look at that like, Oh, 
Um, what are you doing? But again, in the board game world, that's a very acceptable thing to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it keeps everything together. It's it, it you you avoid that uh, that uh, 50, 51 card game of poker where uh, somebody right, some, right, somebody where loses it. on the river because they uh, <laughs> you, you're totally missing a card. But yeah, um, well, uh, Dave, man, this has been super enjoyable. Uh, I'm so excited for you. Uh, for this game. Obviously, it's one of these things that has taken on a life of its own. And I think based on the conversation that we, we've we had so far, the reason that it's taken on a life of its own is because you did a lot of good work to make sure that it didn't devolve from complexity into chaos, but that it mm-hmm. also had some some really fun little inflection points like these distiller personas and special recipes. And so I think I think you just hit such a fun chord of possibilities uh, that people picked up on that chord uh, and, and want to hear it play and want to want to play it for themselves. So congratulations on that from me and on behalf of our listeners. Uh, can you just give us the details of the best way to connect with you digitally and the details of specifically when this Kickstarter campaign is going to wrap up because I am going to have links to that in the show notes page. So I want to make sure that people know what the deadline is so that they get in on some of these, uh, some of the things that you're going to be maybe adding as little perks here and and mm-hmm. maybe get their pre-order in before it's too late. Totally, totally. So um, you can, if you search distilled game or, yeah, distilledgame.com, for instance. Uh, you can find it there. Uh, I'm on Twitter and so and Instagram as well. We've got a, a Facebook group that's almost 1,500 people now, all about the game. So uh, wow. lots of ways to find us. Yeah, discover us. Um, uh, so just look for Distilled Game. Um, and the, the campaign ends on Thursday, July 29th at 8 p.m. Central Time. Um, and the deal there too is just so that if people are kind of hesitant, uh, is that yes, you can get in and kind of pledge your amount right away and be sure you get that game. Honestly, and this is something that people don't realize with Kickstarter is as long as you even just pledge a single dollar, um, you have access for a couple months to be able to then kind of come back to it and decide, yes, I do want to get this. Uh, but if you don't, if you miss that deadline of 8 PM, I can't control it just ends it. Um, uh, and you don't pledge, you might not be able to get this. So I would say that at the very least, just pledge a single dollar and that kind of reserves it uh, to come back within the next couple of months to, to, to get it then if you want. That's really smart. And we will plan to have this roll out uh, this coming Thursday. So you, our listeners should have an entire week. You know, So if you're doing a little travel or whatever, you, sh- you should have plenty of time to go and check it out and, and decide whether you want to uh, get all in or uh, just reserve your spot. So uh, mm-hmm. once again, Dave, congrats on this really fun game. And thanks for being a guest here on the Modern Bar Cart Podcast. Thank you, Eric, so much. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, there's two big things you can do for us here at Modern Bar Cart. One would be to tell your friends and family if you think they'd enjoy listening to us talk about cocktails. And if they don't download podcasts, they can always stream our episodes on their desktop directly from the show notes page at modernbarcart.com. The other thing you can do to help would be to head on over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and leave us a review. Five stars are great, but we're more interested in your feedback. 
And the beauty is, the more reviews we have, the easier it will be for other folks out there to learn about our show. We're trying to start a cocktail revolution here, and by spreading the word, you're helping us fight the good fight. You can always reach us by emailing podcast at modernbarcart.com if you're looking for cocktail or bartending advice, or if you're a pro who would like to pull up a mic and be interviewed for all to hear. Also, definitely follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Modern Bar Cart for cocktail porn, recipes, and entertaining tips. And keep an eye out for new product releases and special offers, which are happening all the time. We love our listeners, and we really enjoy giving you exclusive discounts and sneak peeks at our latest and greatest cocktail projects. This episode may be over, but for you, the mixological fun and adventures are just beginning. So remember, folks, drink responsibly and experiment boldly. This episode was made possible with editing and sound design by Samantha Reed board game guruship courtesy of Dave Beck and Paverson Games and a little bit of interview magic by yours truly. This has been a Modern Bar Cart production, copyright 2021.